What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 257 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button if you're using the Apple Podcast app. Leave a comment. Let me know how you feel about the show. I'd greatly appreciate it. Leave a five-star rating as well. Today's show, Josiah Johnson, former UCLA Bruin and meme mogul, joins in to talk about his viral hoop memes, UCLA's tourney run, his top five basketball movie slash TV characters of all time, and more just a fantastic conversation. Go find Josiah on Twitter, man. You'll be thoroughly entertained. You could find him there at KingJosiah54. That's K-I-N-G-J-O-S-I-A-H-54. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. And I'll say it again. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combos Court. Also, if you would like to support the podcast even further, I'll leave the Combos Court Patreon page link in the description. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Josiah Johnson, former UCLA Bruin, me mogul man. Is that is that a is that a fair description? I uh, never heard that before, but I, I might have to rock. I might have to. <laughs> I like it. How would you describe what you do today, man? How would you describe uh, it? I mean, honestly, just a content creator is weird. Now at this point, I believe it's kind of become more just art. So artists would be the you know digital artists or you know virtual artists, whatever whatever you want to call it now. But it's really an art form and a craft, and it's crazy to me to see how. You know, I've been, I'm an old guy, so I've been on the internet a long time, but how now memes are the primary form of communication and, you know, billion dollar industries. It's a wild time. For sure. You know, former Bruin, uh, your dad was a Bruin. Is he still dunking? He, yeah, we did a uh, dunk video for his what is he, 65 this year for his 65th birthday, went out and shot it. He still had it in him. He's been on the Peloton ten, going hard. 10 feet, so. 10 feet dunking. Yeah, yeah for sure. We don't, we don't, we don't mess around. We don't play with that. He, the ball might've been a little bit, he might've been a, a women's ball instead of a men's ball, but uh, definitely. That's nah, okay. Now nah, it's interesting. It Any dunk you do on the internet, they're going to, they're going to try and judge that. Hey, is that 10 feet? Like I always said this, I think funny and dunks do the best on social media. Funny yeah, dunks. Comedy is king. If you got dunk, no matter how old you are, the older, you, like you know, there's that that no man's land between like 35 and 45, where if you're dunking, nobody really cares what you're supposed to do. But if you're a senior citizen dunking, or if you're dunking on somebody, or if you got some comedy, if you get all three together, then you know you got a hitter. Most definitely. How much of what you do today is an outlet from like, because you know, back I miss back from my playing days. Obviously, I miss the competitive part of that. I can't even go to open run now because I'm recovering from knee surgery. But like, I miss just talking trash. Is this an outlet for you? Like what you yeah, do on definitely. Twitter? I, you know, like, you know, growing up playing hoops, being in the locker room, you had to be quick on your toes or you're going to get clowned and embarrassed by your teammates. So whenever jokes were flying, you always had to be ready to go have some. So this is basically an extension of that time in my life where the, whatever's going on, especially in black Twitter, like, you know, we'll see all the time that whatever's going on, black Twitter will find some satire, find some humor in that situation. And really, it's just kind of a testament 
to black people thriving in America and using, you know, humor as a coping mechanism for all the BS that we deal with. Former Bruin, what, what did you make of their run, man? Were you surprised by it or you kind of saw this coming? Uh, saw it coming. I think they had a, a bad end of the season. So I was kind of a little worried that they might not get in the tournament, just knowing how they like to do us in L.A. But uh, once they got in, I knew, you know, they had an opportunity. That team really came together. They had a good squad. And even before the tournament started, they had lost like three or four tough games where they were playing well, but just, you know, had mental mistakes and kind of breakdowns that you just saw that were easily fixable and correctable if they got it together and played at a high level. So shout out to Mick Cronin, where he got that team together, Johnny yeah. Juzang, Jaime Jaquez, the whole crew, Jules Bernard, David Singleton, that whole crew, Tiger Campbell, just the way that those dudes, Cody Riley with the lefties, the way that those dudes, <laughs> you know, came together and became a squad and really weren't afraid of anybody. And you see they were a, a bucket away, literally, you know, I won't say it's a lucky shot. It was a, it was a, it was a very skilled shot, but you know, one that they had, they had seen happen to him against Alabama in a previous round. So once that happened, I think they know. And, you know, if they would have got with Baylor, I don't, I don't think they would have got smacked like Gonzaga did. I think they would have had some pride and really kept it together. But, you know, looking at that Baylor squad, they were ready for whatever. It's funny. You mentioned Juzang and also you mentioned Gonzaga. The Timmy, the tw- the Timmy meme was funny, bro. The Timmy meme. <laughs> Yo, that was funny. But before we get to that, Johnny Juzang, like, what do you think about his NBA outlook? I mean, obviously, he's a bucket in the mid-range and from three. Um, you know, athleticism could be a concern, but do you see him with an NBA career? The thing about Juzang that I've even been hung up on is when you watch him play, you got to remember this dude's like six six. You know, what I mean, it's just yeah. like you know, it's it because it, it, you know you know it, but when you just see him going up against dudes mid post, so he's got a lot of stuff in his game and just a craftiness too. He reminds me a lot of my older brother Chris, who Chris was he'll he'll tell you he was six five, but he was probably close, closer to six four. But at points in his career, he played the five, so he had post game ready to go. He turned transformed himself into a point guard by the end of his career, if you can believe that from like a power forward wow. to a point guard by the time his pro career finished, but just had a whole bag. Kind of like Boris Diaw did it, or maybe opposite. He played like all five. <laughs> you know what I mean? But just, just but the straight bucket getter could give you buckets. Like me and him used to play one-on-one, he'd give me fits, and everybody he went up against, I'm talking about pros, anybody you could think of, because just he had such a great, you know, compartmentalized box, so he could just do whatever, get you everyone on the court and get a jumper off. And Juzang reminds me a lot of that, like literally no fear, you know, whoever's guarding him, you know, his long-range game is buttery. It's funny to me to see see how he yeah. was at at Kentucky and kind of had this, you know, down rap. Kentucky fans were basically like, yo, you can have him, like, whatever. You know, we don't, you know, kind of mentality, like, we're not going to miss him. Then he comes out here and he literally played himself into a, you know, top 10, top 15 pick, you know, maybe maybe better than that, just depending on how his workouts go. But these 20 pieces were all authentic. Whoever wanted it was getting dubbed. And there was no, even when the refs were hating throughout the tournament, still. <laughs> You know, but and we joke, but still, like if you watch the games and, and you know you're a basketball head, you just watch the games the way that they treat. It's a funny thing with UCLA, especially because we got all these national championships. So they, you know, either we're too soft or we're too physical. So when we're playing against the the SEC or the the Big Ten or Big Twelve schools, oh, they're just going to out physical you boys. But we're getting all the fouls and we're playing against the Gonzagas, who's number one in the country. For some reason, now it flips and like, oh well, you know, you guys are the aggressors or whatever. So like they got Timmy Kispert, they got a whole squad of dudes who are straight beasts, Jalen Suggs, football, basketball player, but shout right. out to them and congrats to them for making it to the, the 90 game. For sure. You know, as I mentioned, that that tweet was hilarious with Timmy. I mean, are memes just floating through your head when you're watching these games? Can you concentrate fully on the game or you're just like, if anybody's great at anything, they're like, that they're they're thinking about their craft like 24-7. And I'm sure with yeah. you, like, you're probably the best guy with memes out there. Is that something that just keeps floating through your head? Like memes, memes, memes while, while yeah. you're watching? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I see the game kind of just photographic memory now, but when I'm watching the game now, I just see things. And that Timmy thing, I was watching Baylor. Every time Timmy, really Timmy and Kispert was on somebody, all of a sudden they started through the legs. and do, you know, <laughs> It was so, like, extra what they were doing, especially for college guys. You just don't really see that much. But it seemed like everybody who got the rock, when they saw that, that matchup, it was like, all right, it's my time now to get a bucket and get off. So as I'm watching that, it just reminds me of things. And I kind of see things in meme form. So when I'm watching a game or see a moment happen or whatever it may be, memes start popping through my head and just kind of, you know, basically like plays or whatever. It's kind of like the way, like, you know, basketball players, you can remember, I can remember stat lines and scores from, you know, yeah. ninth, 10th grade games. I had 25, seven and six. That game was 12 for 18 from the field and three for five. Espe three especially five. the good ones, right? You know, always <laughs> like I can give you a running and I used to do that during games, keep a running stat line to know like, all right, I'm like six for 10 right now. I could, I could take a couple jumpers because even if I miss, I'll still be 50%. But yeah, man, so I just see, I see the world like that and just use it as a way of, to entertain, you know, keep humor, satire, and just keep the mood light as we're watching all these games. Like the basketball world is small. So I don't know if you have a relationship with Timmy, but let's say Timmy's your guy, right? Do you still make that meme? Yeah, for sure. I've, I've toned it down a lot now as we've become friends with a lot of these dudes and just knowing also, you know, I always try to keep it classy and keep it respectful and Basically, I, I like to tell people who try to make memes or whatever, like mine will be out of pocket at times, but I know whatever I put out, if I see one of these guys and I got to deal with it, I'm, I'm prepared to do that. So I approach everything I do, like if this person sees it, you know, what's going to happen? You know I mean? I don't think Timmy, Timmy might be mad now. He might be salty for the next couple of weeks, but you know, years from now, he'll look back on that. And it's like, look, man, there's no, no shame in getting dusted by Baylor in the national championship game to get that far, you know, undefeated season to that point. I think they were 31 and one to, to finish. That's, you know, maybe you didn't hoist a trophy up, but nobody can take that away from me. I've been on the other side of that. And it's definitely, I'd much rather be 31 and one getting smacked in the national championship game. For sure. How competitive is the meme game? You must be going up against social teams out here. I mean, that's, that's where the, the basketball competitive nature comes from. So every, every time there's an event going on, I love live events too, because that's kind of leveling the playing field. There's a lot of times where people don't realize, like, for example, when the last dance was on during the pandemic, you know, the height of pandemic last year, back in April, May, you know, ESPN had those videos in advance. So they got to watch those episodes ahead of everybody. They were getting them three, four days a week in advance. So their social team got to get together, brainstorming sessions. What memes are we going to run? What content are we going to put out? What moments from the event? But even still, like in those live moments, like a game, whatever, where you can't control the variables of what's going to happen when things happen now. Now you really get to see who, who's got the heat, who, who can really bring it in those moments. And those are like high pressure filled, tense situations. But I'm just an artist, man, and a creative, so I don't ever approach it like that. I know how they operate. I know they've got Slack and managers and corporate brands and sponsors they can't offend and players, whatever, whatever. So by the time they can get a piece of content up, I've already got two, three, four things up just because I don't care about any of that stuff. My goal is only to make people laugh, to be humorous, and to, to, to just showcase whatever is going on in a way that people, it's relatable. So even if I'm breaking the news to you, you can see it in a way that's digestible and you'll be like, oh, wow, you know, I, I learned something and I got to laugh. Yeah, R.I.P. Kobe, but it was interesting that Michael Jordan was fully aware of his meme, you know, the yeah. crying meme during that. Like, did you think he knew about it? He knew about it, right? He knows. Sure. He knows yeah, he knows. He pays attention. This is what I've realized about all, all these human beings, like especially Hoopers. They're all on a group chat. Now, whether they know how to use, you know, the Internet or, or, or texting as good as everybody else, everybody's on a group chat with somebody. And in those group chats, whatever's going on is getting shared. So I'm sure, you know, it may have been a day or two after that, but there's no, you know, especially because this legal team now, anytime they see a crying Jordan meme, you're getting, you're getting hit with the lawsuit. So Mike oh, that, that's how it's going. 
that's a you know not i mean for for like a corporate or whatever and anybody got you on that set. the streets i don't think you can't really come for the streets because if, if you come for the streets and the streets will come for you and are, are you the streets or are you corporate at this point uh I'm, I'm a little bit of both i get corporate bags but i always maintain you stay in the gray you stay in the gray I, I, but i maintain my loyalty to the street always but just to show the next generation and people that are doing it like look these, these are ways you can do it now when you go get these bags and you deal with corporate people this is how you can approach and talk to them because ultimately if you didn't have something to offer them, they wouldn't be reaching out to you. So know that, know your value, know your worth. Don't let them try to play you on numbers, bags, any of that type of situation. And, and, and I always tell people, if there's a problem, hit me up. I'll, I'll tell you as much as I know and, you know, right or wrong, whether you want to take it or not, that's up to you. But if somebody's like, oh, man, they offered me this. I'm like, nah, the numbers you're doing, you should ask for this. And just, you know, be unrelenting. Like, you know your value, you know your worth. So I'm in a good spot where I have enough jobs where I can literally be comfortable telling any one of them, like, nah, I'm not rocking with this, so. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, big platforms and things of that nature start hitting you up when you've already built something, not when you're on the way up, like for them to build with you. It's no. an interesting dynamic. Whether, I mean, I work on the entertainment side, I work on the social side, it's both the same way. The entertainment side and social side, I, I couldn't really get a look till I went out and made it for myself. Now, once I run the numbers up, run my account up, people start to see, I, I always make the joke. Like I'm rep by UTA. If I'm like, hey, UTA, get me a meeting with Jordan Peele. They'll be like, okay, great. They'll laugh in my face. A meeting won't happen. But if I put up a great get out meme that get Jordan Peele's attention, now he's following me and I can just hit him in the DMs. It's not, you know, I don't need that that situation anymore. So I just go out and really get it. You have all these resources available to you. And we're in a time now, especially on the social side where within a matter of days, weeks, whatever, like we've seen it with Sarah Cooper. We've seen it with some of these big name people that, Literally, no matter what I felt like weeks, you know, Rex Chapman, for example, you just look at Rex growth over the last couple of years. And now he's one of the most dominant forces in Twitter. But just by being consistent, working hard and you don't need much. All you need is, a, you know, Internet, phone connection, computer, whatever you may have. And you can get get memes and jokes off and be a part of the conversation. So it doesn't really require a lot. And even if people, you know, don't try to give you a look, just make your own look. You know, what I'm saying I like to say you can't. You can burn bridges if you can build your own. So, you know, yeah. don't worry about that type of stuff. If you have the means that are necessary to grow your numbers and grow your following, don't worry about people trying to play you. You can gladly tell them to, you know, to buzz off or whatever. You know, use more colored language if you want. Most definitely. The same goes for podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, what did you make of uh, KD and Draymond chopping it up? Are they cool? Who knows? Who really cares? But what did you what did you make of the conversation, you know? I mean, I think at any point you go to battle with guys, you're in the locker room with guys, it's going to be a different situation there. You know, yeah. guys are trying to, you know, especially a guy like Draymond, who's literally, you know, he, he, he's intense. And that's just just how he is as a player. It's, it's what you love about him. It's what you ultimately may hate about him if you're a teammate. But you, you want him to be maximum level, bought in, ready to go. And, and like that, it's funny to me to hear those guys talk about things. And I worked in sports entertainment for a long time. So there's a lot of times you're watching games and you can't read lips or know what's going on. You just see how animated dudes are and you think, you, you know, bad stuff's going on or you guys are being, you know, mean to each other, whatever, and then talk to those guys and they're just literally like, yo, pass the ball. And that's not, you know, this is just normal hoop chatter. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna fight this dude or I dislike him or whatever. So I think those guys have now had the perspective of seeing they did some, they did some really amazing winning back to back. Obviously, Draymond's got three, KD's got two and two finals MVPs. But, you know, those moments, you won't trade those for the world, even if the team wasn't the greatest or most locked in or whatever. Winning championships is winning championships. So I think those guys now have a little perspective after a few years of being apart to be like, OK, you know, we can go back and look and not, you know, I've got tons of teammates. And I won't say in the moment that we were the best of friends. But after, you know, we've gone to battle with each other and we're older now, more mature and can look back. I think we all can just laugh about things. And, you know, Hoopers will take stuff serious for years and years and years afterwards. But... <laughs> You know, like 20, 30 years later, like still, make sure you gave me the rock, uh, you know, or that play or whatever. But, 
you know, ultimately we're all, we're all brotherhood and a family and a fraternity. So. Yeah. I actually went back and watched it today because of the podcast not, well, I watched a part of the podcast, but I also watched that interaction and Katie handled herself. Well, like they never looked like they were going to fight. Katie was still dapping people when he was sitting down. Like it, it, it wasn't anything outlandish. Like it's just regular Hooper stuff. Yeah, I mean, that. if you're not a Hooper, and that's the whole thing, there's a whole world in the community now of non-Hoopers talking about Hoop that they think, you know, stuff from their lens and their perspective. But as Hoopers, like, cuss outs, fights, whatever. Like, I've seen dudes fight fight at 8 a.m. and be at the club hugging it out at, 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 at 10. Like, that's just a part of the game, you know what I mean? Like, that's a part of the world and the community and, and, the, and the lifestyle where we don't really t- hold grudges or take things serious. Like, in the, in the heat of battle, things will happen, things are said. You know, you're going against an opponent, especially you're going to say anything under the sun to try and get in their head to make them not perform well. But as soon as that buzzer sounds, it's not like I didn't mean any of that. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to one up you, bro. I'm trying to get buckets on you. For sure. You mentioned non-hoopers, you know, talking hoop. And I respect a lot of them because a lot of them put the work in, you know, like some of them been doing it for 30 years. A lot of really smart people who love basketball. But do you feel like sometimes the game is overanalyzed? Like, I mean, we love to I love to analyze basketball, but do you think it's sometimes it's overanalyzed? I think once, you know, numbers, metrics, analytics, all that stuff, very valuable and important pieces of material, but you can't get an analytic or a stat until something's played. So they're, they're in the aftermath of that. So they can, they can forecast and predict and tell you, oh, God's great going this way or that way, or whatever. But when you're a hooper in the moment, you know, you don't have all that, that, those, that material readily available in your head, right? You got to make split second decisions based on whatever information you have available to you on the court. Should I cut? Should I drive? Should I slip? Should I set a pick here? Whatever, you know, whatever, whatever's going on in your mind. So it's great after the fact, or when we're watching, you know, when we watch games at home on TV, right? The the game broadcast is not nothing like being in the arena, right? You don't get 25 camera angles and all types of stats and graphics and info, right? You're just watching things in plays as they break down. So I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you know, hindsight is 2020 kind of in a lot of the approach. But my thing is I embrace everybody in the community is just have respect. Like, I feel like, you know, some of these guys are, are insecure in their position. So they have to kind of, you know, make smart comments or do this or do that. And it's just like, you know, on the court, like if you're talking trash to me, you better be able to whoop me. Because if you're talking trash and I don't respect you, then it, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? Like that's, but digitally you can just say stuff and then hide behind your following and never really have to face to face and deal. Yeah. And that's all things. So just be respectful, man. I don't care what your opinion is. You disagree with me. You think I'm right, wrong, whatever. That's, that's of no concern to me, but there's a way of saying it. You know, I don't, I don't ever call people idiots or dumb or, you know, there's a lot of just words that get slung around. It's like, dog, if we were in the gym with each other. You would literally be looking at the concrete right now out of fear of me just, you know, doing anything to you. So, you know, yeah, so- nah, I, I feel that for sure. I think it, like a rule should be, I don't know if it's a rule, but like whatever you say on the internet, you should be able to say to somebody's face. Yeah. Like this is my honest opinion. And that's how you approach it. Like I would never say anything wild to Mike Tyson, right? Because Mike Tyson give me those hands. Like so everything's gonna be from a level (laughs) of respect. I mean, I think he's the best boxer, whatever, but everything respectfully, Mr. Tyson, uh bam, bam, bam. You know, but I feel like, you know, on, on the internet, you get guys who build themselves up and puff their chest out like they're tough. And I know a lot of these dudes, and I've seen them in real life, and it's like, dog, you are not. You are not this person you're, you're claiming to be online. Like I'm six eight. Like you know, what I mean, I'm down. You think everything whatever. always evens up? Well, in terms of what? Or they, or 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 they? There's just no consequence. They could do this forever. Like, well, look at a Skip Bayless, who's literally making you know trolling and, and talking trash and talking jump. He's literally made you know eight million dollars a year off of bashing LeBron James. That's like his. If you look at his job description or his resume, it's like oh, I'm just a LeBron hater, and you know it's it's, it's very high paying. So. Again, you can disagree or have opinions or whatever, but there's a way to to convey those and communicate those. And a lot of these guys who are journalists understand the English language a lot better than most. So they know what words to use. They know what they're yeah. you know, 
they understand words a lot better than most people. So it's just be respectful because I understand words too. And it's like, if you're trying to get snippy or, you know, if I interpret something on, on a tweet or whatever, like you want to do something, then, then when that time comes, you're going to get approached about it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you mentioned this on Twitter, top five hoop characters when it comes to movies or TV shows, who do you have? I mean, for me, um, my pops was Raymond from White Man Can't Jump. So that's that's definitely number one. Oh, uh, when he went to the store, came back. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up with that. You know, I got to see that, you know, up up, up close and personal. That's a great scene. That's a great so, scene. Yeah. So him, uh, probably Shep from Above the Rim. I mean, Billy and Sydney, I think you got to roll with no matter what. And me, Ernest from Slam Dunk Ernest, just because he's a legend. And this this list will change because Jesus Shuttlesworth could be on Jake, this. Like, Jake Shuttlesworth. You know, there, there's so many different, even Booger, if you depending on the mood you're feeling in, or you know, the uncle, but so many legendary characters. So at any moment, it's it's a, it's a fluctuating list depending on what's on my mind. Mount Rushmore for greatest players ever. Um, ooh, wow. Uh, LeBron, gotta go. LeBron, Kareem, LeBron, Kareem. I got two more. MJ. Probably Magic. No disrespect to Kobe, but, you know, I grew up uh, – my dad played for the Clippers, so I grew up a Clippers fan, but always loved Magic Johnson, just the way he played, his style, playing pickup with him. At UCLA, he caught a little too many fouls, but always just great to see the, the love he had for the game and just – he was a beast. You're so great with the memes. Do you ever feel like you might be attached to the phone too much? Do you take time away from it? How, how does it, how does that go for you? Yeah, no, you got to. I think at this point, especially like cause I, I spend so much time working on, on the Hollywood side and dealing with Zoom rooms and, you know, you're spending five, six hours on Zoom just staring at a screen and it's not a natural thing to be looking at. So going from that to the phone screen or whatever, there's definitely periods where I got to just take a nap, zonk out, like, you know, turn all the lights off in the house in my bedroom and just, you know, try and get my eyes and my, my stuff recalibrated. So definitely during live events, like final four, whatever, there'll be moments where I've been staring at the screen for so long that my eyes will start to get tired. And like, it's just, you know, the, the vision will get blurry. But at the end of the day, I know that there's somebody, I just like to think there's, there's people out there who need entertainment, who are going through really tough times now, who may be struggling to do whatever it may be in their life, that this will give them just a little bit of comedy or, or, or a release for a couple minutes. So I'm always just trying to get it out as, as quick as possible. Josiah, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. What's next for you? Where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at King Josiah 54. Man, I got a lot of different stuff coming, on, coming up. I did a show with uh, Ava DuVernay and Michael Starberry and Colin Kaepernick called Colin in Black and White. That'll be out hopefully very soon. I don't think they've announced a release date yet, but we we wrote that thing uh, last year. I think they, they they were in production this year. So it'll, it should be out fairly soon. I'm really excited about that. Uh, doing a show for uh, Wave TV called Out of Pockets on their channel, Buckets. So you can go to Buckets Twitter and Instagram to check out clips from that great show with my, my buddy, Zach Schwartz. So, you know, we uh, team together to just talk NBA, Twitter, comedy, the lighter side, never any serious topics. I try to stay away from all that, you know, never, never want to do the suit and tie type, type of stuff, man. Always just straight real one barbershop. Let's laugh, have a good time and not stress about this because none of us are playing in these games or, or losing, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're not a part of these teams, so let's just have a good time. But that's where you can find me. And, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter heavy. So King Josiah 54. Most definitely. Any memes cross through your head during this conversation or not? Uh, no, I'm not. I got it. I got it. There's been a lot of, you know, Prince Philip stuff today, which I thought was <laughs> black Twitter. Black Twitter always skates that line, but it's like, yo, you know, they, they don't, they don't, they don't ever come for anybody who doesn't deserve it. Josiah, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Really appreciate you and talk soon. All right, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in to Convos Court, man. That one was a lot of fun. Big shouts to Josiah for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate review 
and punch down on that subscribe button. It doesn't take a lot of time. Get it done for me. It helps the show tremendously. We'd greatly appreciate it. Also, if you have Instagram, take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your IG stories, tag me at one, two, combo. That's O-N-E, T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. I'll share it. Also, if you would like to support the podcast even further, I'll leave the Combos Court Patreon page link in the description. Be on the lookout for episode 258, Combo, out.